0: Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Catherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be do and have anything that your heart desires think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going leave it to me to provide you with the tools the resources the strategies and teaching that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams i know we're about to have so much fun together so thank you so much for pushing play today and now let's begin If you've been wanting to master the art of manifesting money and cultivate a lighter, more enjoyable, more feminine, and dare I say, pleasurable approach to creating more money in your life, look no further because Sovereign Money is about to relaunch in just a couple of days. In fact, it opens up on Monday, May 20th, which is literally just around the corner. And this launch, I am doing something that I've never done before for everyone who gets on the wait list. I am giving you $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money and I'm opening the doors one day early with that $100 off special. This is only available to those who get on the waitlist before Sunday the 19th and it will expire once we launch to the public on May 20th. Don't wait. You can get on the wait list right now by going to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. That's S as in sovereign, M as in money. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM for that $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money. Hello, my gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Manifestation Babe podcast. Wow. Do I have an episode for you today? If you are anyone who has ever struggled with losing someone close to you that you love or have gone through an unimaginable adversity or are currently going through some sort of a challenge that you just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel in sight, today's guest, Liam James Collins, is going to help you find that light. I get asked all the time, Catherine. Can I still manifest, even though I'm dealing with immense grief right now, how can I stay positive when this super traumatic thing just happened to me? I don't know if I'll ever be able to get through this, let alone create my dream life. As you'll soon learn, my guest Liam has been through some of the most horrific unimaginable circumstances. And I'm not just talking about childhood stuff here. I'm talking about events that happened just within the last few years. The reason why I brought him on the podcast today is because I can't think of anyone better to share with you the tools to help you pull yourself out of some pretty dark places. Whether you are going through a dark period right now, or you know someone else who is, These are awesome tools that will help you gain a better understanding of what they're going through and how you can better support them. Liam is not only a joy to talk to, but he's truly a walking angel on this planet right now. It is so evident that the reason why he's been through such events is because he's he's meant to help pull others out of their darkest days. Liam is a master mindset coach, host of a top 10 podcast, and the owner of a seven-figure Online coaching business. If he can go on to create success in his life, I seriously believe that we all can. I'm super proud of you, by the way, for listening to this episode today because I will warn you some of the things we talk about are not quote unquote high vibe, but it is real life. And things like this happen even to the best of people. Whether you're someone who's going through a dark period or you're witnessing someone else go through a dark period, or maybe you're just here to learn more about grief, such as I was, Liam is going to rock your world. I'm not going to spoil any more details for you because it's up to Liam to share his story. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Liam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and diving deep with us today. I know we're going to go deep. There's so much wisdom, so much juiciness, to your story, to what you're all about, to everything that you have to share. So I'm so grateful that you're here. How are you doing today?
1: Well, firstly, Catherine, juiciness is, is I've never been described as juicy before, but <laughs> I will take it. I will absolutely take it. I'm, you're going to get real
0: juicy, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is the best description of myself. I'm going to take it. I think I'm going to write it on my wall. Liam, Liam James Collins is juicy, the ju- <laughs> This is going to flow through this. Podcast. <laughs> and I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I am doing amazing. I have a quick question before we dive in for you, which is, can I have your accent?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you take it take it right if I can if I can bottle up my accent and give it to you if we, do you want to swap for a day should we try each other's accents on
0: I think we should try maybe not on this podcast I'm not down to embarrass myself today trying your accent so we're gonna save that for another day but thank you, I really appreciate that.
1: So <laughs> uh, uh, I I think what we should do is like one day do like a takeover of each other's Instagram accounts and just do each other's accents on stories for like, at least at least a couple of hours. I reckon it would get some traction.
0: All right, you guys, take a screenshot right now of this episode. I know you we barely even got in yet, but seriously, tag Liam and I. The um, Instagrams will be in the description box. I know that you're. I'm going to ask you to share it later. And just let us know if you're down for that, because that would be hilarious. Liam, my team recently had um, a conversation with you that I overheard from the distance. And when they were done, I don't know what was said on that conversation, by the way, but when they were done, they came up to me and they're like, Catherine, this Liam guy has such an incredible story. Like you have to hear it. And we think it'll be a great podcast interview. And I was like, I heard it for like 0.2 seconds because I don't like to do way too much research before bringing on a guest. And I was just like floored. My jaw was on the ground and I was like, done, schedule him. Liam, before we dive into that story, can you just share a little bit about like who you are, what you do, how you help people with and kind of what your mission is at this time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first and foremost, thank you for that as well. I appreciate it. Your, uh, your team are just, I said, I send you a message straight after, right? So I had to send you a voice note and they are a blessing. They really are. They're just the sweetest people in the world. And I've got a feeling that, uh, Me and Brennan would become good friends if we hang out a couple of times. Great people, very, very cool people. And I love it when someone has those people in their team. So the question, yeah, who am I? So I'm one of the co-founders of a company called The Coaching Masters. And what we do is we qualify and accredit people who want to become coaches. So mindset coaches, confidence coaches, business coaches, and not only do we qualify and accredit them, we then show them how to build a successful coaching business after that. But the qualifying and the, credit, the crediting the coaches, that's like our bread and butter. You know, that was the mission from day one. That was the thing that was really difficult to achieve. How do we construct a full-blown course that we can get accredited to show that it's sort of a high standard so that we can help people find freedom? You know, that's really the mission. We say that we give ordinary people extraordinary tools Mm. to create freedom for themselves and others. And it always makes me think of Mac, right? You know, the makeup brand Mac? Yes. I read ages ago that Mac, they don't sell makeup. They sell, what, what was it? They don't sell makeup. They sell the ability to be a beautiful person. You know, that's the underlying nature of Mac like that's the underlying mission and we were like you know what we don't sell coaching courses we don't sell (laughs) qualifications we give we give ordinary people extraordinary tools to create freedom for themselves Mm -hmm. and for others and that is the mission at the coaching masters
0: I absolutely love that because my one of my mentors James Wedmore. do you know who he is by the way
1: no I've not I've not heard of him
0: incredible guy. I should look into him. He's one of my mentors, has been for the last two years. And something he keeps reminding me of and keeps sharing with his audience is that no one's going to buy your fucking course because nobody wants a course. Nobody wants a program. What they want is the result of what's on the other side of that program. So it's like, if you ask someone, would you rather have freedom or a coaching program? Like nobody in their right mind is going to say coaching program. So I love that you recognize that. And I love, I think freedom is it's definitely my top value. It's definitely the thing that I create all of my courses and content around is giving people freedom, whether it's financial freedom or like freedom of basically self in the way that like freedom from your own limitations, right? Freedom to be able to create anything, time, freedom, all these incredible things. So we have very aligned missions and I love that. So there has to be a backstory to the whole coaching thing, right? No one just like is born and becomes a coach. So I know that you have a story, feel free to dive into that. Now feel free to go as deep as you want to go. Like, how did you decide that you want to become a coach and help people, uh, create that freedom for themselves in their life?
1: I'll tell you a story of how everything came crashing down on me, Mm. right? I'll tell you that story. Yeah. When I was younger and I'm talking like, not that young, when I was 19, Right. I woke up one day and bearing in mind, I came from this area where everybody followed the crowd. You know, everybody looked the same. Everybody sounded the same. Everybody dressed the same. And if you ventured away from that, then there was something wrong with you. Right. Mm. You, you were ridiculed. You were laughed at. And I was this 19 year old young man just going with the flow, as I always had done. And I woke up one morning and I thought, you know what? I want to be an actor. <laughs> right? Just, just, just out of nowhere, I thought, right, I want to be an actor. I think, I think, I could be really good at this. Maybe I could become famous. Maybe I could go to like the world's most glamorous parties. Maybe I could be on movie sets. And I was like, I'm going to become an actor. <laughs> so, I, I literally, the next day, I like walked down to my local amateur theatre, and I walked in, and I was like, look, I've never done anything like this before, but I want to become an actor. And they said, look, we've got an audition tomorrow for this play. Come an audition, and I did, and I got the part. Right. And a couple of months later, I'm like taking my first bow after a performance in front of seven people. And I shit you not, Catherine, right? I felt like a star. Like there were seven people in the audience. Two of them was my mum and my sister. And there's just like a couple of old ladies sitting at the back. And I felt like a superstar, right? That is so and cute. <laughs> like, I loved it. I loved it. And a couple of years rolled by, right? And I sort of did more plays. And then I got like a couple of parts in television, did a couple of TV shows, did a couple of films. And I was like, this is cool. Like my acting career is, is going places. And then... the most amazing thing happened. I went to this audition and I was really big at the time. I was really big and bulky. because I was into bodybuilding and I walked into this room and I didn't know what I was auditioning for. My agent wouldn't tell me. And when I walked in, I needed to fill out all of my physical dimensions on this sheet. And because I was into bodybuilding, I knew, I knew them all like right down to the last millimeter, a little down to the last centimeter. I knew like my bicep size, my chest, my (laughs) back, my legs. And, uh, and they took me into this room and they were like, right, you're here because your physical dimensions are exactly the same as one of our lead actors. And he needs to body double. And they were like, look, we can't tell you the actor. We can't tell you the film.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> are you willing to completely shave your head? And Are you free for the next six months? And I was like, and they just said, look, all we can tell you is that it's worth it. Right. So I was like, Yes. I went to another audition, another audition, another. I didn't know what I was auditioning for. And eventually I went to this one studio in London and I looked around the office and there were all blueprints on the wall and it was like Gotham City, the Batcave. And I was like, it's fucking Batman. No way, I'm auditioning for Batman. And then this guy said to me, right, you're going to be Tom Hardy's body double for the next six months in Batman. The next day I'm on set, getting my head shaved. I'm in full Bane costume. I'm like having lunch with Morgan Freeman who's fucking giving me his life story. Michael oh Caine's in opposite. Anne Hathaway is offering me her cake because her personal trainer won't let her eat it. Cause she's like got to wear a cat suit the next day. And I, I'm like this 20 year old actor. And I thought, this is it. Like I've made it. I, oh I'm going to get God. more
0: contracts.
1: I'm going to get more parts. I'm going to get a better agent. And after that, I did like a film with Benedict Cumberbatch. And then I did another good TV series and out of nowhere, it just completely disappeared. My agent just stopped ringing. There were no more auditions. There was no more parts. And me and my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we had just moved into this little apartment in the middle of London, this gorgeous little apartment, little one bed. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pay the bills all of a sudden. I, I, I had rent to pay. I had bills to pay. I, and, and I had no way of paying it because I had no acting work. And I thought to myself, what is the one job that I can do where I can pay my bills, but I can still go to auditions if I need to go to an audition? And I, I became a mailman or, or uh-huh. in, in the UK known as a, a postman. Right? I, I became a, a full-time postman. And I thought to myself, right, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. Like until I get another really good audition, until I get another really good part. One week goes by, one month, two months, six months, one year. Two years, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm a full time mailman. And you know what? Respect respect to the mailman because it's like a great, you know, respect for doing that job. But it wasn't me. Like it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, Catherine, I just felt like I had fucking, I just felt like I'd really let myself down big time. I felt like I had a dream, I had a vision, I was working my way towards it. And guess what? I swear to God, I genuinely ended up delivering Tom Hardy's mail because he lives in an area in London called Richmond, which is where I was a mailman. And I had gone from working with him side by side every day to delivering his mail. And one day I knocked on his door and I, I needed a signature for a package and he didn't even recognize me. And he closed the door after he signed the package and was like, oh, cheers, mate. Thanks. Close the door. And I thought, "Nah." I've, I've got to do something. I have to do something else. And interestingly enough, I was talking to my mum right over the dinner table, and I didn't really even quite comprehend what it was she did. But for the last 15 years, she ran an academy where she taught people how to become coaches, like life coaches, confidence coaches, mindset coaches. And I said to her, look, all I want is to work for myself so I'm the one that calls the shots, and I want to help people. That's the realization I've had from being an actor to it all coming crashing down on me. I just want to help people live a life that's fulfilling, that's meaningful. And she was like, Liam, it's it's been staring you in the face for years. Mm. Become a coach, you know. And I had actually done a lot of my coaching qualifications and stuff like years before, just because she needed bums on seats when she ran courses. (laughs) I was already like a fully qualified NLP practitioner, I was a life coach. But I never used any of that stuff because I was yeah. like, oh, you know, I was like, ah, oh, that's what my mum does. No, no young man wants to grow up doing what his mum does. But I thought I need I need a way out. Like I need something fulfilling.
0: Were you and using I, those tools during that two year period when you felt so low?
1: You know what? It's such an interesting question that Catherine, because and I've, I've asked myself this question again and again and again. And I think inevitably on some level I must mm-hmm. have been. And I think the tools that I was using were allowing me to stay focused on the fact that there was something else. Like I am going to do something better.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: at the same time, because I wasn't consciously thinking about that, I was letting myself get dragged down. Remind me to send you the picture of me when I was a mailman. I was
0: just going to ask, seriously, I was going to ask if you have a picture of yourself as Tom Hardy's um, uh, double and as a mailman.
1: I do indeed. And I will send you those pictures. And I swear to God, when you see a picture of me as a mailman, I look like I'm a couple of days away from death. Honestly, I look sick. Like I look green. I look depressed. My whole face is like sunk. And you can actually see the physical effects of me being extremely unfulfilled in Mm. what it is I'm doing and feeling trapped as well. Like I felt really trapped. And I felt like I'd let myself down. That was that was a, a really negative emotion that I had. And coaching allowed me to just transform all of that because it transformed me personally. And I could build a business that actually helps people. So it just it, it pulled me out of a dark time. It really did.
0: So you got pulled out of a dark time. You became a coach. And... The next thing that I want to, you know, want to ask you is like, you have this incredible story of like overcoming adversity. And I know that you use these tools in your coaching business. You help other people overcome challenges and adversity and grief. The reason why I'm so excited to bring you on here is because I get this question a lot from people and I've personally never had to overcome something as, um, unimaginable as what you did. And I get this question all the time, like, Catherine, I just lost a loved one. Or I just, you know, something, this huge adversity just happened to me or happened to someone who I love. Will I ever be successful again? Will I ever be happy again? Will I ever be able to manifest again? And I wanted to bring that up to you because I know that you have completely transformed your life within a period of, what is it, three years?
1: So the event in which you're talking about is mm-hmm. was october 29th 2018 okay so actually not, not even 2 years wow yeah. less than 2 years it's just coming up to 2 years
0: so what happened that day <sighs> man and this is remind me this is after you already started your business right
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. so i started my business january 1st 2017 Got it. Okay. I've been a coach for nearly two years at this point. Mm -hmm. And, oh man, that day, I'll tell you the story of that day. Just the worst day of my life. And one of the lessons that will absolutely come out of this is the answer to the question that you get a lot from your community that have experienced grief. Will I ever be able to manifest again? Will I ever be able to be successful? The answer is absolutely yes. And I will show you as to why I'm living proof of that. But just know before I tell you this story that the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because there will be moments through this story where you'll think, surely not. This has got to be the end. It it, it can't get as bad as this. And I know there are going to be people in your community who have experienced something similar. But... October 29th, 2018, I was at home. It was a nice day. Sun was shining. You know, it had that kind of crisp autumn feel in the air. You know, when it's like a sunny day, but it's a cold day. Yeah. Like, I love that. That's one of my favorite experiences when you're outside and it's cold, but it's sunny at the same time. And it was one of them days. It was such a, an amazing morning. And I was on the phone with my mom at the time and everything felt really good, you know, and that was, you know, me and my mom have had like a bit of an unusual relationship throughout the years, like ups and downs, you know, it it is what it is, but it was a good day and it was a good conversation. We were having fun talking to each other on the phone and I had seen my parents a couple of days before and, you know, it was everything was, life was, ha- life was moving forward, right? Let's put it that way. It was just life was happening. And then when I was on the phone with my mum, we were talking about business. We were talking about life. we were talking about all sorts of stuff. And then her doorbell rang and I just assumed it was Amazon because she just orders a ridiculous amount of things off Amazon. So I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> precisely. So I was like, oh, it must be Amazon, of course. And she even said, oh, I think the, the postman is here. So I'll call you back in two minutes. And then she hung up the phone And she didn't call me back for about 30 minutes, which was really unusual, but I didn't think anything of it because I was really busy. And then she called me and she was crying so much that I assumed the, the phone was breaking up. I assumed the line was breaking up and I was saying to my mom, I can't hear you. Like go into another room. The line's really bad. I can't hear you. And it just sounded like it was getting worse and worse. And then this like big, booming female Scottish voice came on the phone and said, Liam, this is police officer X, Y, and Z. I can't remember her surname. It's just something that hasn't ever stuck in my mind. This is officer, whatever her name was. And she said, you need to get to your mum's house. And I said, why? She said, there's not, I, I can't explain, but you need to get your wife And you need to drive to your mum's house. And I just said, look, you have to tell me why my mum's quite clearly really upset. And you're telling me with quite a stern, you know, direct manner that I need to get to my mum's house. Something's obviously happened. And she said, well, you need to come to your mum's house because your dad has jumped in front of a train. And I swear to God, Catherine if you ever met my dad, right, the, the most wonderful, funny, generous, charming man you'd ever meet. Like my, my dad was such a hero. He was my hero. You know, and he was like the older version of me. Loves life, loves laughing, loves the people around him. He loves his dogs. He loves his wife. He loves his home. He's so enthusiastic, you know, that's my dad. My dad is the one that lights up the room when everybody else is in a bad mood, right? And if people asked me to scale every person I'd ever met in my life from least likely to most likely to kill themselves, he would be right down here on the bottom. So I didn't believe it initially, you know, and I said, how do you know my dad's jumped in front of a train? And she said, well, someone has jumped in front of a train. And your dad's car is parked in the car park. And this person had your dad's wallet and car keys in his pocket and his glasses. Right. And I swear to God, it was more feasible in my head that my dad had been mugged. Someone had stolen his car, took his wallet, took his keys, took his glasses, drove to the train station, parked up and jumped in front of a train. Because I was like, no way, no way. Like, not my dad just doesn't make any sense whatsoever so i was just in a total state of shock like it fe- i felt i felt numb just completely numb i was scared i was shocked but i was numb that's the thing and my wife walked through the door and she opened the door and she said have you heard and i said yeah dad's killed himself and she she was she broke down because she thought that my mom had like got into trouble for some like parking thing. She was like, oh no, the, the traffic police are at your mom's house. She's she's obviously done something. She's like been speeding or something. I was like, no, no, like they're there because dad's killed himself. And my wife and my dad were like best friends, like so close. And she just completely collapsed. And immediately I thought, I need a shower. Like I just thought I haven't had a shower today. I need a shower, like, because I'm gonna go and drive to my mum's house. And I'm just having a shower like completely numb, just sort of not even thinking anything. and I get to my mum's house, and it's just awful, just like dark devastation. My sister's on the floor, she can't she, she can't hold herself together, my mum's there, and the next day, they allowed us to see my dad's hand because my my his hand oh, it's just like. I'll tell you in a moment how I get through this. Cause I get through this in a really specific way. And it's a coaching technique that I teach people <sighs> focus Liam. And, um, my dad had these really distinctive hands, like big dad hands. Like he was a plumber his whole life. His hands were all bashed up. His nails were all bashed up. I would recognize my dad's hands from a mile away. And, my dad's hand was the only thing that was left there was there wasn't a, another part of him left and they allowed us to see his hand and that was the moment i knew that it had happened because it was it was him it was his hand it was my dad my dad's hand like i knew it was him and the days and weeks after that as you can imagine were just pure devastation there wasn't an explanation there wasn't a letter there wasn't sense. There was no sense. There was no logic. There was no sense. It was, it, 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 it it was like, that's my dad. You know, that's my dad. And you know, for, I know people that listen to this on the podcast won't be able to see, but I want to show you something, Catherine. Yeah. This is, This, this is a picture of my dad when he's about my age and I keep this with me and I've got this picture in my wallet and this, this man is my hero. He's my hero and I love him dearly. And I, I will see him again one day, but you know, it's the days and weeks after that were dark, you know, and I really hated myself for a period of time. I didn't allow that to last long. And I used to say to myself, you think you're so fucking cool, don't you? Like you think you're cool, you think you're successful, you think you can help people. You can't couldn't even help your own dad. And I really beat myself up for a long, like a long time after that. And I knew I got to a point where I knew that my focus needed to shift. I knew it needed to shift. And I had something similar, not as severe, but similar a couple of years earlier when me and my wife experienced a really horrific terror attack. And I knew my mind needed to shift for the people around me. My mindset needed to shift for my wife. You know, my wife is the person that I need to protect. My mindset needed to shift for my mum, for my sister, for those around me, because I was going to be the one that was going to slowly start to infect other people with either looking to the future and looking for gratitude, which I believe personally is the most powerful thing a human being can grab hold of, or I'm going to fucking beat myself up and I'm going to hate myself and I'm going to feel like I've let my dad down and I'm going to think I should have saved him. When I, when I didn't and I've got two choices there's two pathways I'm gonna venture down there's that pathway of hating myself or there's latching onto gratitude latching onto it and not letting go and realizing consciously and eventually subconsciously all of the things I have in my life which I like to refer to as not wrong there are lots of things in my life and everybody's lives that are not wrong but we don't often think about them. We often focus on the things that are not going right. The things we don't like, the things we don't, how we don't like to feel the places we don't like to go, the people we don't like to talk to yet, always on a constant basis, there are things that are not wrong. I'll give you a simple example right now. I don't have a migraine. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, when you get an ulcer on your tongue, and you, rem- you think back on what life was like when you didn't have this ulcer on your tongue and you thought, you think, that was amazing. I could talk, I could drink, I could eat. Well, I, I took my life for granted when I didn't have this ulcer on my tongue or I took life for granted when I didn't have this migraine. Mm. Because when you're sick or when something's wrong, all you want is for that thing to go away so you can go back to the life you were living before. Mm. But when yeah. that happens, people then very quickly once again fall into the trap of not focusing on the things that are not wrong. People focus on those things that are wrong and constantly wrong. So I knew that I needed to make a a really strong point of focusing on all the things in my life that weren't happening. Whereas if they were to happen, my life would be even worse. You know, I'm not locked in a cage. There are people on this planet right now locked in a cage. And I'm not one of them. And that is a blessing, right? In my life, in my head, that's a blessing. There are people, God bless them with illnesses that I don't have. Mm. There are people with impairments that I don't have. You know, there are people experiencing elements of life that are horrific. And people could look at me and my story of losing my dad and think, well, that's one of them. And it is one of them. But there are loads of others. There are many more. well that i'm not experiencing and that's a blessing that is a blessing so it's a shift of focus when people are experiencing grief and they come to you and they say am i ever going to get through this they can get through it but what they need to consciously do is they need to consciously shift their focus onto the things that are not wrong that's the key that's the trick Mm. because it creates this sense of gratitude like you like you wouldn't believe you know, and it, it's interesting, Catherine, you are 100% the person that I, I, I've always wanted to ask this question to someone who is, you, you are manifestation, right? That is you. And so I've always wanted to ask you this question. I, I do this thing and I'd love your opinion on it. And I find it helps me a lot, but there is a little element in the back of my mind where I'm a little bit fearful of it because I think, could I potentially manifest horrible things Mm. but I do this thing where I focus on things that I really I'm very very scared of and what I find it does is I find it fills me with gratitude because uh, say for instance like I'll think about my, my wife my wife means everything to me I'll think about her and not having her for various different reasons whether it's an illness or something and it's a horrible thing to think about. But then if I think about it long enough, I then sort of feel this rush of gratitude that actually she's in the other room. And then I realise that though that what I need to do is I need to just go and give her a big hug and give her a kiss and tell her I love her because I've actively thought about the things that I don't want. What, what's your viewpoint on that as a as a in, in the world of manifestation?
0: I love love that I'm interviewing you and you asked me a question. That's brilliant. Amazing. First of all, I just wanted to say like, thank you so much for so openly and vulnerably sharing the story. I mean, like if you guys are watching my face, I'm like going through waves of emotion. Like the next sentence that you say, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And it's just like, so I can't even imagine what you went through. And I just I love the perspective shifts that you took on, you know, through your journey of I, I love the not wrong method. I'm, that's what I'm going to call it, not wrong method, because it's so true. It's like you know something that I teach is there is a law of attraction, which pretty much every single person that talks about manifestation is familiar with. But then there's also laws in the universe that most people don't talk about that can interact and interfere with like the law of attraction, and it really explains why quote unquote, bad things happen or how sometimes we don't get what we want within the timing that we want. It. And there's other laws that are mixing with the law of attraction. And if you just understand all of the laws and specifically the 12 laws of manifestation that I teach, you'll understand that there's a lot more going on, that if you understand what's going on, you can then create this like patience for yourself, Patience for what you're going through, patience for, you know, overcoming things like trauma and grief and whatever. And one of the ones, one of the laws that keeps coming up for me that you are practicing to, um, you know, to help yourself raise your vibration per se, um, which is the law of relativity. And it's basically saying how like every single soul comes here contracted to experience obstacles and challenges and quote unquote problems. And really us even calling them obstacles, problems, and challenges is like our own interpretation of what it is, right? It's relative. It's all relative and how there is always, no matter how bad you have it, there is someone out there who is having it worse, right? And so finding that perspective and that gratitude for the fact that like, yes, this happened, but like, thank God that this other thing didn't happen. And we can feel grateful that, you know, your wife is still here and that your wife is pregnant and you're expecting a baby. Like there's so many incredible things that you can think about. So I love, 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 love that. Immediately I was like, oh my God, he's practicing the law of relativity, which Mm -hmm. is something that I teach. Now the, you know, are you going to manifest like thinking worst case scenarios? And here's what I have discovered, Liam, in the last like couple of years, like. Growing up, I was, I was never allowed to feel emotion, like bad emotions. Like I was taught basically through my experience of my childhood to constantly suppress things like sadness and grief and anger and any negative emotions that my parents didn't want me to see, right. Didn't want me to have in front of them. I was taught like, no, 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 you have to be happy. You have to be happy all the time. Be grateful. You're so spoiled, blah, 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 blah. And so I had a lot of the shit bottled up. And it wasn't until I turned like, I think like 21, 22, when I started my first online business, where business really brings up a lot of inner work to the surface because you're really putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself out there to all of your fears, like fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of everything, sometimes fear of success for a lot of people too. And through starting my online business, I started to experience anxiety around money. And that's where a lot of my shit around money came up. And I started having panic attacks for the first time in my life. I know I struggled with some panic attacks and lots -hmm. of anxiety, like in middle school when I was getting bullied, but this is like a whole nother level. It was like things finally rose up to the surface where if I didn't open the lid, like the fucking pot would blow up. And I learned through that experience, this is something I was so afraid to do because in the manifestation world, the law of attraction world, a lot of people are taught to bypass emotion, to bypass grief, to bypass um, negative things because it's low vibe, right? And if you think about low vibe, things are going to manifest and that's what we're taught. And I was so afraid of ex- of just feeling negative emotion or like feeling, and that's again our own interpretation, right? That's a label that we're giving it negative. Like who says they're negative? It's just an emotion that we're supposed yeah, to yeah. feel that we have to feel in order for us to process it. And so, in the midst of an anxiety attack, I remember hearing this voice just say, "Catherine, grab a journal, go to this place. Like it was like twenty minutes from my house. It was it was like um." I was on this place called Fox Island at the very, very end where I lived in Gig Harbor, Washington. And I drove to this like basically pier or, or dock or whatever you want to call it. And I sat on a bench and I just wrote out like every shitty thought I ever had in, in my like, entire life about myself. And I was like, basically, and this is so funny. I still have this journal to this day and I'm probably going to read it out loud um, in a podcast because I just want to share with people like we all have these thoughts. We all have these fears. Like this is completely normal. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter how successful you are. We all have these thoughts. And so I just wrote out like, I'm, I'm such a failure, blah, blah, blah. I'm afraid this isn't going to work. And I wrote out in this journal, something I used to be so afraid of doing. Cause I was afraid I was going to manifest those things. I started writing out my deepest, darkest fears. And as soon as I was done with this, Liam, it was like a weight just lifted off my shoulders. And for the first time ever, I felt like I could breathe. I felt like I could think. I felt like I created space to think about something different, to shift my focus. And I was like, why is that? That's so weird. I just basically focus on all these negative things, but I feel better. How does this make sense? And I learned through that experience is that when we suppress and repress and hold on to like negative emotions no matter how much we want to immediately shift our focus or like focus on the positive or like, no, you can't think about that clear, cancel, delete, right? Like a lot of this bypassing stuff that we do, it's great. And it serves a purpose. And when you're in a really, when you're in a different place, like when you have processed some of those emotions, you can totally do that. But I, what I've learned, especially through my plant medicine experiences is that, um, a, a phrase that keeps coming out at me is "Don't numb it, just love it." Like, don't numb your emotions, love them and feel them. What I realize is that all of this crap stays in your energetic field. So even yeah. though they're not affecting your mind, you can't think the thought right now when the thought has been kind of like overlapped with something else or whatever. And like, nothing in your life is directly affecting you to to have those thoughts or feel those emotions. This vibration is still in your energetic field, and it's going to be attracting things to you that are an energetic match to what's in your energetic field. So even though today you're like, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, and pretending to be happy when really inside you feel unfulfilled or trapped or whatever, that's what you're going to actually attract. And so in order for you to release that, you really have to feel through it. You really have to address it. You have to give voice to your fears. You have to speak them. There's different techniques and stuff that... um, we don't have to go into right now, but like there's things that you can do to process those things, mm. because the moment you process them, you let the vibration leave you, and then you've created space for you to formally think like, okay, now what is it that I do want, right? So I don't think there's anything wrong with your technique, because how I see it is you're allowing yourself to go to the worst case scenario to voice that fear, to yeah. process it, to release it, and then you're immediately creating that space, and then um, immediately focusing afterwards on like, no, like, you know, you're thinking about your wife, like what if she's not here? But then you're like, oh shit, that's a real fear. Got to process that, got to address it, whatever, let it go. And then be like, but she's here and I'm so grateful for her. And so in my personal opinion, I think that that's, that's a beautiful practice. And that's something that I practice as well. Like, to be honest, you guys, I don't think I've shared this Ever publicly on the podcast um, or with anyone except for like the shaman that I'm working with and my husband. But I was having like these crazy thoughts, Lam. Um, I live in a penthouse, so I live on the 22nd. It's not the penthouse because the, the penthouse in my building is like $65,000 a month, which like maybe sometime in the future, but not right now. Okay. Um, and so, but they're like they're all penthouses. They all have these incredible floor to ceiling windows. You feel like in your penthouse, whatever. And I would have these like crazy thoughts. I'd be sitting on my couch and I would think to myself, go jump off the balcony. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Where did that thought come from? And it was like crazy. And then I was sort of envisioning myself, like killing myself. And I'm like, not suicidal, like honest to God, not suicidal. I have been in the past, but not right now, not for a long time. And I'm like, oh my God, am I like, what is happening to me? What is wrong with me? And I started shaming myself so much for it. And I'm like, what is this? What is wrong with me? What is happening to me? And this carried on for about a week. I had this obsession with these thoughts on a loop over and over and over and over again. I didn't have any emotional attachment to them, but I couldn't, they were just like running and I would have dreams about this. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And so then using this technique, I finally let myself sit with it, really felt it, really thought it through Really envision it happening. Really, just gave myself the space to go to the worst case scenario. And after doing that for just five minutes, because before I was avoiding it, I was like, No, 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 I can't think about that. Mm-mm, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. After like five minutes of really sitting with it, it finally left me for good. Never had that thought again. It went away. I dealt with it. I uncovered it. I replaced it with something else, and like we're good again.
1: I, I love what you're saying there about the law of relativity as well. And I'm so happy that that's it. What we do, again, that are paths of crossing, you know, the things that we're doing, they overlap. And I love hearing that because I have not heard of the law of relativity until you've just explained it. But it makes perfect sense in relation to what I'm doing because, and I take a lot of my clients through this process as well, like especially clients who have experienced grief, clients who have got their mindset firmly, firmly focused on things that are going wrong, things they don't like. Their reasons for not wanting to be alive, or their reasons for not wanting to get up in the morning, go to work, see their loved ones, you know, when you're really in that dark place. And the truth is, you know, October 29th, 2018, I lost my dad, right? I could have lost my mom, my dad, my sister, and my wife. Possibly, let's say, say in a car accident. That's happened to people. Totally. That's- happened to people in their lives. Now, it seems like almost incomprehensible that you'll lose your dad to suicide unexpectedly and not only think about that being the worst thing on earth. And you know what? It's very easy to have the mindset that that is the worst thing that will ever happen to you and life will never be the same again and everything's going to be crap and nothing's worth anything. But I always have to come back to my own coaching. I just always have to do it. And within the realm of coaching, we always say that it doesn't matter if something is good or bad, right or wrong, true or false. It's whether it is useful or not useful. And that mm-hmm. could be a very blunt way of looking at things, but you know what? It's a lifesaver. Is I say
0: it- I say, what is serving me and what is not serving me. Very similar. Precisely.
1: Precisely what yeah. is serving me and what is not serving me. Now, me making the decision that i'm going to crawl into a hole that i'm going to realize that life is never going to be the same again i've lost my best friend i've lost my lost my role model lost my hero and everything this point forward is going to be crap and what's the what's what's the purpose of any of the things that we're doing it would have been very easy to have done that mm-hmm. would it have served me would it have been useful absolutely not not in any way shape or form would it have been a lot more useful for me to have got myself into the mindset of being grateful that that day on October 29th, 2018, I didn't lose my dad, my mum, my sister, and my wife. That is a hell of a lot more useful. If I can get myself into that mindset and I can realize all of the things that I have, I mean, it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? Like it sounds so easy. Just focus on the things you've got instead of the things you don't got. But what you've got to do is you've got to really go to that place. And that's what you're talking about, Catherine. You're talking about going to that place, right? Putting your mindset there in that dark place. To understand it, to learn from it, to take the lessons, to get the gratitude. I do this technique that I call the time machine. And when I get people that come to me when they just are so dragged down and they've got this negative mindset. And I, this this technique, this is not for the faint-hearted. And I warn my clients about it. I'm like, you gotta be prepped to dive into the time machine. Like, don't come to me saying that this is shit about your life and that's crap and this is crap. Because I'm gonna take you on this journey and I will help you. But you've got to be prepared for it because we're going to go to a couple of dark places and the clients that are prepared for it, you know, they get great results and I do it to myself. The time machine is where I, and I'll, I'll give you it from, from my perspective, because I coach myself on this and I have done every day since losing my dad every day. Mm -hmm. The key is to fully and vulnerably allow yourself to understand what is your deepest, darkest nightmare. And I'm not talking about fucking, you know, I'm scared of spiders and snakes. (laughs) I'm talking about horrific, horrific circumstances that you as a human being can find yourself in. Then going on a process of deep visualization, you know, incorporating massive elements of NLP, what we see, what we hear, what we feel. Going on a journey of visualization, seeing it, hearing it and feeling it and in your head going to that place and spending some time in that place. And then when you get yourself to the point where you are fully absorbed in that nightmarish place, looking at what you had to deal with before that you considered to be bad, what you considered to be a bad day, and getting yourself to the point where you realize that actually, if you were living this nightmare, and you rubbed a magic lamp, and a genie popped out, and this genie said, look, I'll grant you one wish, but the wish is there's only one I determine the wish and the wish is that I will allow you to go back to the life you used to have before this nightmare began and the only thing that you need to deal with is the thing that you were dealing with previously that you thought was really fucking awful mm. right really terrible you've got to get yourself to the point where the thing that you're dealing with in another reality another realm that you can visualize it becomes something you would wish for That's where you've got to get yourself. And as screwed up as it may sound, (laughs) on October 29th, 2018, if I had lost my mum, my dad, my sister, and my wife, opposed to just losing my dad, just losing my dad would be the reality that I would wish for out of those two scenarios, if I only had a choice of those two scenarios. You have to get yourself to a place where the thing that you're experiencing, the grief that you're experiencing, you have to get yourself to a place where you realize that in another reality, in an alternative reality that could very well possibly exist, that is something that you would wish for. That's where you've got to get yourself. Because then you realize, click your fingers, wake up one day, I didn't lose my mom, my sister, my wife. They're still here. I'm living the reality where I am actually the one that I prefer. I, you mentioned the panic attacks as well. I'd I'd love to just tell you this brief story. Yeah. One of the most horrific things I've ever seen, and my wife has ever seen, and it caused her to have really awful panic attacks. And I'll never forget the date. You know, dates really stick into my head when something significant has happened. But this was June 3rd, 2017. So I'd only been a coach for a few months at this point. This was the moment that I knew for a fact what I teach people works. This was the moment I knew. This was the thing that proved it to me. So June 3rd, 2017, it was a really, it was a really gorgeous like, summer's evening. And me and my wife, we had this tiny little apartment right in the middle of an area of London called Borough Market. And anyone that knows Borough Market, it's hustling, it's bustling, it's fun, it's vibrant, and it's just like right at the foot of London Bridge. And we had these huge bay windows, even though it was a tiny flat. And one evening, we're just leaning out of the window, just watching the world go by. And there was a fight that broke out. And I I should say that we lived above this pub, right? Like a proper classic English London pub, like as traditional as pub gets. It's like the pub and then it's us where we live the first floor above the pub. So you can imagine Friday nights, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, We couldn't even hear the television because the music's going boom, boom, boom and the people are laughing. But you know what? I loved it though. I actually loved it because I felt like I was a part of something. And uh, I I just loved that place so much. And, And so many significant things happened in that place. We got engaged in that apartment. That's where we got married. I'd lost my dad in that apartment. I'd lost other family members. I started my business. Like the five years we spent in that place was so significant. But this night was... Quite possibly the most significant night. And it just, I'll never forget it. So this fight breaks out, right? The police turn up, it's nothing to worry about. You go that way, you go that way. And they broke up the fight. But me and my wife were being really nosy. So we just carried on watching the world go by. We were leaning out the window. It's a warm summer's evening. Everyone's laughing, having a good time. We're just watching the world go by. And then out of nowhere, just like something out of a horror movie i just see people getting stabbed just out of nowhere right people getting stabbed in the back getting stabbed in the face getting stabbed in the chest just one after another people getting stabbed and this happens so quickly
0: that sounds like a movie like like you are in the matrix and this is like fake and you can't like i can't even imagine seeing that with my
1: eyes And bearing in mind, yeah, and I had been on so many movie sets, I was like, there was a split second where I thought, is this a movie? movie? Like, have they just not told us that they're filming and they've not cornered it off? But but like, logically, I knew that wasn't the case. But like, in my subconscious, I'm, I'm thinking, is this a film? You know, because that's exactly what it looks like. But I tell you what, the sound of pure fear is something that cannot be replicated you know, and I've, I've heard it tried to be replicated in films. It cannot be replicated. The sound of terror is almost like a combination of nails on a blackboard mixed with sickness. That's like what it sounds like. It's like scratching a blackboard and sickness at the same time. And we heard that, right? We just hear this sound of terror because people are getting killed. And we're just looking at it like, what, like what's happening. We're staring at this thing like unfolding in seconds. And people just start running, right? People are running. Like people are running down alleyways. They're hiding under cars. They're running down into the underground. And one after another, there's these men, and they're just stabbing people. They're just walking up to them and, and killing them. And all of these police cars were like driving past, going right past the scene. Because what had happened was these three attackers had drove a white van down london bridge and they were they were running people over in this van they crashed the van at the top of the bridge Then all three of them got out the van walked down to where i lived and were just killing people on the way and the police thought that the the it was all happening at the van right so they're all driving past like right past the attack and there was this one man And I swear to God, like, I've never seen anyone so brave in all my life. He grabbed a metal chair from one of the restaurants and he was like fighting off the attackers, almost like some sort of crazy lion tamer. He was like trying to keep them at bay. And he ran out into the middle of the road. He flagged down one of the police cars and he was like pointing into the market. And this one police car, like sort of realized what he was saying, screeched around the corner. And then the police and the attackers were like out of sight. I couldn't see them. They were around the corner, and I just heard all these gunshots. So I just like slammed the window shut because all I want to do is protect my wife. Right? That's why I'm just like I want to make sure she's okay. She's the love of my life. Like I would be nothing without my wife. I just need to make sure she's okay. She's terrified. She's crying. Then I go to close one of the other windows, and this police officer shouts up, and it's like our UK version of like a SWAT team, and he says you need to leave the, your apartment because we think there's a bomb in the pub. Right. And I, I'm talking, it's the pub and then it's us. And the only thing separating us is this like paper thin floor. And a bomb had gone off in Manchester about two weeks earlier. And everybody was thinking about it. And I was like, I was like, if a bomb goes off in that pub, that's like me and my wife had gone. That's like bad news. So then I'm like, right, well, we got to leave. Then this second police officer shouts up and says, don't leave your apartment. It was people being killed down here. Like you, you, you can't come down here. Like you'd be too sad. One after the other. One, and I swear to God, Catherine, right? I felt like I was staring down the barrel of a gun for about 30 minutes. That went on for about 30 minutes. And I'm thinking, what's going to have the least impact? Is it the bed? Is it the, the couch? Is it the kitchen counter? And then eventually the, the first police officer was like, no, no, no. This, this is it now. You, you have to go because we think there's a bomb in the pub. You have to get out. So me and my wife left the apartment and I'm like creeping through the hallways thinking there might be like an attacker in the hallway. We get out onto the street and there's just people laying dead in the street, just people bleeding, dead, like one ambulance, this one ambulance turned up and they were so scared. These two people, the ambulance workers were sitting in the ambulance. They didn't know what to do. They were like shaking and people are just like dying on the street. And then the police officer just run. He was like, run and don't stop running. And we ran and we must have ran for about, I don't know, like a quarter of a mile or something like that. And it felt like we were running for ages and there's just all these people in the street. And then eventually we were in this crowd of about a thousand people. And that was the worst bit because I was like, I don't know if someone else is going to pull out a knife, if people are going to start getting attacked. There's all these rumors like there's another attack in Westminster. There was another one in Shoreditch. Like, I think there's going to be an attack here. So I've just got like my wife by my side. I'm just thinking I've just got to make sure she's okay, and she's the same. She just wants to look after me, right? We're like back to back. She's like, "Look, let's go back to back, and then we'll be able to see if there's an attacker." And I'm like, "Yeah, good idea." And then eventually, this one guy like lets us stay at his apartment, and we were okay. But I tell you what, like seeing the panic attacks that my wife was having after that—imagine how easy it would have been for me to have developed a mindset of hatred of yeah. fear of yeah. judgment of persecution you know of anger you know not not only easy but understandable you know people have said to me it would be understandable for you to have developed that mindset when i see my wife like having panic attacks that are so bad that i have to call an ambulance because she can't breathe and i know it's because of the things that she's seen Yet I knew I knew I needed to develop a mindset of forgiveness, of love, of acceptance, of understanding. Of I needed to avoid the generalizations, and instead I needed to see the event for what it was. And this was the London Bridge terror attack. You know, it was a it was an awful terror attack that happened, one of the worst in London. And I coached myself, and I have continued to coach myself every single day since the terror attack, since losing my dad. And that's how I know coaching works. That's how I know. Because I I don't do it because it's a nice thing to do. It's a career, you know. I I, I do it because it fucking saved me, Catherine. Like it saved my life. And I coached my wife through that. And I've coached my wife through losing my dad as well. And we've been able to survive through it. And we're able to thrive through it as well, you know, because we're focused on the things that we've got. And you know what? December 11th is when my little baby girl is due. And I just couldn't be happier. Like in terms of focusing on the things that are not wrong, in, t- in terms of focusing on the things that we have in our life opposed to the things we don't. My wife, who I've been together with for 11 years, the love of my life, my, just the other half of my being and my heart, the person I couldn't be without, We're going to have our first child, December 11th. And we recently found out it's a little girl.
0: Oh, congratulations. Oh my God. That is seriously, like you are such an incredible human. I just want you to know that like, it's very clear that through all of the shit and the challenges and the obstacles and the sheer terror that you've been through, that you've been put on this planet to help people overcome that as well. Because I just don't think that you were put through those trials and tribulations to just like experience it for no reason. Like, you absolutely were born to do what it is that you're doing. And it's incredible that you are able to go through it, but also develop techniques to help yourself and then develop techniques, use those techniques to help other people. And I just wanted to thank you so much for existing and thank you so much for sharing your stories and thank you so much for being so open and so vul- vulnerable and so transparent, um, for anybody who has recently gone through something like this, like a huge adversity, like a terror terrorist attack or, um, a death of a loved one. someone super close to them. Maybe it happened a couple days ago. Maybe it happened today. Maybe it happened a couple weeks ago as they're listening to this. Like, are there any like tips that you can share, um, share with them that would help them at this time right now of where they're at currently? Definitely.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I'm so glad you asked me that, Catherine. And uh, by the way, this podcast has already given me two firsts, right? The first one is no one's ever thanked me for existing. So that's like the nicest thing I think anyone's ever said to me. And secondly, no one's ever called me juicy. So it's just just like a double whammy, isn't it? It's a double whammy. I love it. But um, yeah, great question. Great question, right? Is three. It's three. There's three things that people have to focus on. And these are the three things that have allowed me to survive through the terror attack and through losing my dad and thrive through it. Right. I have to focus on these three things on a daily basis at some point throughout the day. And these three things dictate our state. They dictate how we feel and The reason that that is so important, right, and I'm going to uncover what these three things are, is because our state, how we feel, that determines how we act. It determines our behavior. And our behavior determines the results we get in life. So when somebody comes to me, okay, like you said a moment ago, like if there's anyone listening to this who may have lost a loved one, who may be experiencing grief, who may have experienced something just awful that they can't get out of their heads, they're having a hard time, right? Anybody that's listening to this podcast who's having a tough time, What you're currently experiencing are results that you don't want. That's what you're experiencing. You're currently getting results that don't serve you. You don't like them. You don't want them. So what we've got to do is we've got to work backwards. You're getting the results that you don't want at the moment because of the way in which you are reacting to your state, right? You're in a particular state right now. And trust us, don't beat yourself up. You are allowed to be in that state. If you found yourself in a state of, anxiety or depression or just the state of feeling worthless or hopeless just recognize that's the state you're in but it's only a state right it's not your personality trait it's not who you are it's not what you're born to be do not ever let anyone fucking tell you that you are you are depressed you are anxious you are this you are that you are experiencing a natural state that you can get yourself out of you can do it And the way that you do it is by focusing on these three things. First and foremost, be consciously aware of the images that you've conjured up inside your head. Do not ever, ever forget the power of imagination. If you find yourself in a state in which you do not want to be in, let's say it's a state of anxiety, a state of depression, a state of worthlessness, whatever. That state is being created partly because of the things that you're thinking about, because of the images that you've conjured up inside your head. You need to be very protective over what images are inside of that mind. The second thing is your internal dialogue. Literally the voice inside your head, the things that you are saying to yourself, little trick, little tip, little cheat sheet. If you wouldn't say it to a friend, don't say it to yourself. If you wouldn't say to a friend you're so fucking worthless, you're awful, you're a loser, you couldn't save your own dad. You 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 couldn't protect your own wife. If you're saying those things to yourself but you wouldn't say them to a friend, you wouldn't say them to someone that you love, that you want to comfort, that you want to help, do not say them to yourself. Just don't say it to yourself. So what have we got? We've got our internal images. We've got our internal dialogue. And then there is your body posture. Never underestimate the power of biofeedback. Exactly, Catherine. That power stance, that warrior stance, don't underestimate it because that thing is triggering something called biofeedback. Your body is sending messages to your brain and it's telling your brain how to feel. Now, it's very difficult to control the images in our head. It's very difficult to control the voice inside our head. However, our body posture, there's no excuse for that. That is something that you have complete conscious control over. So what I would recommend is start with that ask yourself the question, right? Okay. So first step number one, realize what state you're in that you don't want to be in. Okay. I'm currently in a state of depression. I don't want to be in a state of depression. That's step number one. Step number two, ask yourself, what state do you want to be in? Now, because it's one thing saying, I don't want to be depressed, but that's useless, right? That's like going to an airport and saying, I don't want to go to Paris. One <laughs> ticket, please. And they're like, well, fucking hell, all right. I know you don't want to go to Paris, but you've got hundreds of other options. Where do you want to go? It's like the equivalent of trying to do your, your, your weekly shopping Whole Foods. And instead of having a list of food that you do want, you got a list of food <laughs> that you don't want. It's totally pointless, right? So yeah. what you need, you need to know what state you do want to be in, right? When you know what state you do want to be in, ask yourself, what does my body do normally when I'm in that state? I don't want to be in a state of depression. Instead, I want to be in a state of joyfulness. When I am in a state of joyfulness, what does my body tend to do? What do my shoulders do? What does my back do? What does my chin do? What does my chest do? When I'm in a state of joyfulness, what do I tend to imagine? What do I tend to think of? When I'm in a state of joyfulness, what do I tend to say to myself? Do that stuff. And at first, it's going to feel like you're pretending. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. Because Eventually, that subconscious part of your brain is just going to play ball, right? If your conscious part of your brain is going, this is fucking, yeah, but I'm pretending. No, no, this isn't going to work because I'm feeling really depressed. Just, just do it, right? Just do it. Just start with the body posture. Change that first. Then allow that to change the internal images and allow that to change the internal dialogue. And eventually, your subconscious just won't know the difference, right? Yeah. Because there's, there's two parts of your brain that part that's the conscious thought and that part that's the unconscious thought, very close, you know, they spill over. You know, that part of you that's first of all, consciously pretends, eventually, subconsciously, that just becomes a genuine emotion. And as long as you're feeling joyful, who's to say whether that's genuine or not? That's an emotion that you're feeling. If you've Mm. created that joyfulness through actively changing your body posture, your internal images and your internal dialogue, That is a genuine emotion and you've created that emotion. So use that and utilize those three things, those three legs of the tripod to change your state.
0: I have to say that shit really works. Like I've never had to use it for something like grief, but when I was in, um, when I was working my nine to five job and I was completely broke and starting my business, I remember, you know, the whole posture thing, it really does work because I remember coming into my office and I worked as a receptionist for a home health agency. It was actually my mom's best friend's company, like from college. And I uh, was looking for a job at the time. This is in 2016 that would take over some of my income from the business that I don't want to be in anymore. It's kind of like the the postman thing for you is like a transitional career. Right. Um, and you know, I knew that there were people who would completely understand that I'm not going to be there forever. I'm not your forever receptionist, but I will be here for a year. That's what I gave myself. And I'd be the first one in the office. And it's so funny because I uh, also speak Russian and 99% of their patients were all Russian. So I'm so grateful to that job because I got really good on the phone and my Russian skills just freshened up so well. Like I was completely fluent, no longer fluent. I I would say I'm about like 90%, but um, I understand everything. Speaking, it's a little slower. So um, I remember coming in, and before I would turn the phone on from the nurse, the night nurse, to you know me, the person answering the phone during the daytime from nine to six, um, I would come in and I would disarm the alarm. I would turn on the lights. I'd start booting up my computer. I'd put my shit down. I'd go make some coffee in the in the kitchen. It was a small office. Then I come back to my office, and I would immediately before I would do anything because. I called my business Manifestation Babe a lunch break business because I really built it on my lunch breaks at this office. And I I would stand in Wonder Woman pose. That's the first thing I would do is I'd stand in Wonder Woman pose and I would stare at my vision board that I put right in front of my computer actually, no, it was, I had a bunch of like checks behind my computer and like affirmations, but I have my vision board as a desktop, like the, the, my boss's like computer that he bought for everybody to have at the office. I just took over. I'm like, it's going to be my vision board on here. I don't care what you guys think. And I would stand in Wonder Woman pose and I would just feel super powerful. And I would feel like the version of myself who was already living that reality. And I would say my affirmations out loud. So the whole self-talk thing. And I would visualize just me having a successful business, traveling the world, seeing my clients, seeing people's transformations, happy faces. I would see my PayPal going off. I would see DMs coming into my, um, in my Instagram being like, Catherine, your program changed my life. I would see the Like I just saw it all. I said it all. And I stood there in my power for even just that ten-minute period. I can't tell you enough what that shifted for me because that was that was the time in my life when I felt like the least motivated to do those things. When they felt the most fake. When they felt like a, a, a pipe dream. When they felt like something that is just oh, it's just something you read in a manifestation book, but they don't actually work, right? That's that that's how that's when it felt the the most fake for me, but. That's the thing that convinced my subconscious mind. No, 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 This is real. You are shifting right now. You are transforming right now. Do this with enough repetition. You will believe it. And once you believe it, it's going to come. And then I was able to quit my job literally. It was so funny. The day, so the day I got hired and the day I finally went full-time in in my business were exactly a year apart. So I'm always like, should have said six months or I should have said, I'm just (laughs) going to be here for three months. Why did I say a year? And thank God, I never said five years or two years or three years or ten years. You know what I mean. So that shit really does work. And I and thank you so much for offering your tips and being so generous um, with your value and with your vis- wisdom and everything that you're offering. I cannot wait to publish this podcast. And this is weird because you guys are listening right now, but I can just see this helping so many people, and I'm so freaking excited to put it out there, Liam. For anyone who wants to dive in even deeper with you, can you share where we can find you? How we can Work with you. How we can? Because you co- you train coaches, right? So if someone Absolutely. wants to become a coach, how can they do that?
1: Yes, I mean that's a great question. So if someone wants to become a coach, then the coaching masters, we're your guys, right? We're the guys. But I think uh, one excellent place would be to listen to our podcast, because of course everybody listening to this naturally you like podcasts of course so we've got a podcast called the coaching masters podcast which is on spotify and uh, on itunes as well so check out the coaching masters podcast and also thecoachingmasters.com just come and check us out have a look at the website i'm on instagram at liam.james.collins don't forget the dots because if you get <laughs> the dots it's not me right whoever you start following without the dots it's not me
0: <laughs> we are going to link all of that. So we will spell that all out for you. We're going to link all that in the show notes. All you got to do is swipe up if you're on iTunes and then I think it's more or something like that. On Spotify. You guys, please take a screenshot right now. I know we told you to do it in the beginning with the whole accent thing, but for real, take a screenshot right now. Tag both Liam and I. I'll post all the handles in the show notes and let us know what you loved most about this episode, how it helped you, what your biggest aha moments were, your breakthroughs and all of that good stuff. And send all your love to Liam. Liam, thank you so much for coming on here. I appreciate you so much. This has been so juicy <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot wait to have you back.
1: Oh, I can't wait to be back. And you know what? For those listening to the podcast, they won't be able to see this, but Catherine, I have to show you something, right? Please. This absolutely melts my heart. So we've purchased our little girl, a little Christmas outfit, right? <laughs> And I, I just think that this is the cutest thing in the world. Check, check out her little Christmas outfit.
0: Oh, shut up. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> she's going to be tiny by Christmas. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's going to be like 14 days old in Christmas. So look, just, a little, just a little Christmas outfit. But, uh, yeah, for those, for those on the podcast, you won't be able to see that. But I was like, I've got to show Catherine this little Christmas <laughs> outfit.
0: You've shown me so many things. I think next time it needs to be a video podcast so we can clip all the the cool things that you're showing me behind you.
1: (laughs) Definitely, definitely. but uh, it's been a pleasure, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the invite. I hope that it's been valuable. I hope that there's been things to learn from the stories. You know, there's always more to uncover. You know, there's always more tools, techniques, methods, frameworks. There's more stories. There's more realizations. But I mean, if people can just go away from this one podcast, and yeah. something you said a moment ago actually really resonated in those moments where you were doing your Wonder Woman stance and you were visualizing and you were trying to control your internal dialogue and you said it felt really fake. I tell you what, when you're trying to do that stuff in the face of grief, it feels ridiculously Mm -hmm. fake, more fake than you could ever imagine, but please do it. Because that's the thing. People don't do it in the face of grief because they assume nothing can overcome that grief. Mm -hmm. They assume it won't be strong enough. It won't be powerful enough, but I promise you when you, when you're in those moments where you feel like doing it the least, that is when you need it the most. That is when you absolutely need it the most. So please just change your body posture. Try to control those, that internal dialogue. Try to control those internal internal images. Even if you're faced with grief, that's when you need it the most. So even if you think it's not going to work, please just give it a shot. Please just try it. control those three things.
0: Love it. Thank you, Liam. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Mwah. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, Be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at ManifestationBabe or visiting my website at ManifestationBabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.